the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Hi there, I'm Adam Kebas, and this is my novel Life Choices. Things took up speed when Jason decided to talk about James Duncan to Cliff Bender Field. Cliff Bender Field was making his round, he needed someone. To for his great records, he needed to anyone, whoever comes his comes his way to blame for his life, to blame for something, so that he could might, so that he could reap some rewards. And then Jason started talking about James Duncan, that he is the one that he has stolen the heart of Anne Farrell. And Cliff, who actually wasn't really very sentimental and who actually looked down on people who, who were sentimental, who were not manly, he had nothing but this thing for them. But he listens to to Jason. His heart felt story that he and that people are more and more being replaced that there would not be a future for them in this new world that time has overcome them and that they are in the future that they would end in a dead space in a dead end this makes cliff thoughtful he actually did never really worry about the future because for cliff everything was clear straight forward he knew where he would end up and he was pretty much sure and that all his efforts and all his uh, all his time to spend he spends on maintaining this persona on on making these streets safer that they would sooner or later pay off that in the future he will he would get his reward he was not very sure about it or, or clear, he's not clear about it, how these rewards would look like and what he deserves, but it was clear for Cliff. He deserves something 
great because he and he alone, according to him, make the streets safer. He takes care of women and because of this, because he makes streets safer sooner or later, he will get something for it in return. He is sure about it. And then, of course, he vaguely, vaguely imagined that these rewards would be, in a way, on other women. Women would look up on him. Women would appreciate him. And women would be thankful to him because he is the specimen of man. He, he is the one women can turn to when they need help because for Cliff and for many of his kind they had the, this day in there nothing but this thing for educated people for paper pushers for for Cliff these men They were low on the ladder. These men, they would never be able to take care of themselves. And Cliff would occasionally boost his self-esteem with the imagination that when things comes to a shove, when the, a woman needs help for, from an attacker, needs to be protected from a burglar, then and there, this is the real man's finest hour, then those men like Cliff, that they will prove in the end their worth for society and their society will have to acknowledge them and how important they are. And this, of course, reflected Cliff's bitterness with the current situation because with this change with this so-called new wave of feminism with this new wave of leftism there was according to Cliff no place for real man anymore mm. who is man or what is a man this is what the new age started to define mm. how should a real man act like how should a man behave like and what is a woman this was all worrisome for Cliff because more and more he did not know he lost the oversight wherever this society goes for Cliff it was clear this society is on a downward spiral and it it will he was sure of it sooner or later drag everyone down with it but for Cliff it was clear as night and day that one day everything would be coming down would be toppled crumbling down he was sure of it that this society with weak men, with men who cannot take care of their women, who cannot protect themselves, and who fall prey, pray for others, 
that this is not a society that has any future. Quite the contrary. This is a society that is doomed. Because for Cliff, one thing was sure. And sure among many things. And this was that society always needs to be led by man. Cliff had developed a nostalgia for the past. And he was sure of it that the past was always better. Why? Because men when charge strong man, manly man, man who could take care of their families, man who could protect their women. So Cliff did not receive it well when Jason told him that there is a black boy, someone he doesn't know, but white girls and Jason exaggerated. Hmm. And Farrell was used synonymously for all women, for all white women, and that white women would not be interested in decent men anymore. Jason is distressed. He doesn't know what to do. He's lost all his efforts. Everything seems to gone. And this is the bitterness of white men, a society they thought they would be leading a society that they thought even though they are not in charge anymore sooner or later will need them and they thought of themselves as indispensable this society necessarily would need someone like them the chosen one whatever they thought of them And this was the, those hard crocodile tears that came down on Jason's cheeks. And it was well in the same way perceived by Cliff. He was devastated to hear something like that. And then there's this boy, this someone, James Duncan, who seems to be doing well, who goes into a private school, who seems to be well revered, even even loved, beloved, and who seems to be unique. And for Cliff Benderfield, it was some more doomsday scenario because he thought, well, this is probably only the beginning. There is more on the way. And if once, if they have their foot in the door, that there is actually no way back anymore and more maybe coming along the way. Cliff was thoughtful. He was pondering where is this society heading? Because he fought up to that moment he was sure sooner or later society would be coming down would be crumbling but now he heard about this boy this someone 
this black boy who became synonymous with the downcast spiral of the society. But now, with now with this black boy, things could change. Things could take an ugly turn, as Cliff always used to think about this society. It will end somewhere ugly. Things will get south eventually, he was sure of it. But now, maybe, maybe with this new development, this could linger on what a, and what a society would this be where men who supposed to be lead are actually not in the lead anymore. Men who were disposed of no one seems to care about them anymore. What will happen to them? And where will this all end? And Cliff wants to find out more. And Cliff wanted to find out more about this boy, about this genius who seems to wrap white girls around his finger. And he searched after him. James Duncan, James Duncan, he, he is obsessed with it. He can't think about anything else anymore. And there he found one Duncan, Thomas Duncan. He made some in he he made some inquiries and then he got the name Thomas Duncan and he chewed over it. What does this mean? Who is this guy? And he found out that Thomas Duncan is a delivery guy. He he works for the postal office. This is for a black man. This is a very good job. Normally, you black black men or Afro Americans do not get a job. Do not get a job in the post office. But now he has it. This Thomas Duncan has apparently succeeded. Got this job. This white people's terror. But he, but Cliff still does not know who is this James. Who who is this Thomas Duncan who lives in a modest home somewhere outside the city. Thomas Duncan was in his 50s. He was actually a peculiar character because he grew up in the hoods. He grew up poor and he grew up among his own among fellow black he was he his parents were struggling he his father was a drug addict but 
However, when Thomas Duncan got the ch chance to make something out of his life, he grasped at it. He grasped it very tightly. He wanted to leave the hood behind and he did a lot fight. But once he left the hood behind, he some sort of changed, changed his attitude. He did not look back anymore. And he looked at this time back then with this thing. There was nothing good about this time. There was nothing you could do anything with it. This is like people who who think about a calamity and mostly imagine mostly imagine that they should have changed something or that this calamity or this disaster which haunted them that in the end it did not make any difference they did not learn anything from from it they it just destroyed their lives and there is no way you can some sort of gain any experience from it there is just no chance it is over it is gone period and it does not make any sense looking back hmm, this is what many people think about calamities so despite the fact that people soothe them Selbst, yeah, maybe, maybe we some sort of learned something from it. Maybe we have, we grasp how important it is that you have some people close to you. How and or this calamity helped us. Or these years where we struggled, where we had nothing and would live from the hand in our mouths. That these years, in a way, uh, helped us to grow uh, or something. Well, this is for, for your conscience and for your belief in the good and all this, all this imagination that if we suffer, that God will some sort of reward us uh, or if we go through hell, that one day we will enter heaven. Well, it some sort of fits in our general notion but for a matter of fact in the end it does not really change anything quite the contrary you have lost years years of your life years of your um, of your existence shattered dreams you did not move ahead all these years you lived in the hoods or lived somewhere left scars, scars you have to bear for your entire life, scars which which are visible. And all these years you had, nothing did not help you to appreciate anything, no, quite the contrary, it left you with bitterness. And Thomas Duncan, who actually had nothing, who grew up in nothing and even though when calamity hit him even though he had to live in the hoods and even though he knew that there would be life outside and he was and he was not like his uh, 
fellow hood members who is some sort of idealized their lives in the hoods. Well, look at those white folks. They, they may live in those beautiful suburban homes, but in the end, they don't know anything about life. And Thomas Duncan did not do that. He did not idealize his life. He did not say, well, life in the hood is not as bad After all, we are tough, we are hardcore, we know what life is. No, he looked at his life as, or with bitterness. This, this is not life at all. This is not what you can compare with other people. And he, he was right, because it was not his fault. He was born in this, in this circumstances he had to find his own way and he did his success fully did he could leave the hoods behind and even though it was only a postal job and even though well he did not become this 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 great CEO even though he did not become this success story what is being advertised so many Times, but he did very well. He got a decent job, a home, a family, and he was pretty much successful. But for Thomas, and because he looked at his past with so much bitterness, as with lost years, he did not share any into. Siesma about the past and he did not talk about the past. For him, the, the past was dead. You cannot learn anything from it. It is, it is, a, it was a lost cause. And he even associated with all these people who, with whom he grew up with this, the hoods, this life that does not suit anyone this life which did not help anyone and left him desolated he imagined or st still imagines some of those folks he grew up with who idealized their lives who were, were all indulged in gangster rap and and so on who talked about being tough when they have nothing despite the fact it is actually tough to to have something and then be able to defend this something defend your property because if you have nothing if you have only your bare life it is easier to defend you and your self Instead, if you are a family father, if you have family, if you have people to take care of, then things are way more different. Because then you have to take care of your family, of other people. You cannot go your own way. You cannot pursue your own desires, your own wishes. You have to make amends. You have to take care of others. 
especially and help them to grow. This is what real struggle is. This is what toughness is, especially tough because you, you have to maintain your family. You have to protect your property, your life, not only once, but continuously. This is art. To and James and Thomas Duncan, he was aware of it, that he had actually succeeded. He had built a home. He has built a home. He has everything he wants. What is there? And his son, his only child, James, is smart. He attends a very... Renowned and very, very prestigious private school for Thomas. The great fear always is the future. Because people who grew up in poor circumstances people who struggle through life, there are always one edge or they are always fighting against the, against the notion that they will fall back again. That someone who is kept the, the hoods is ailed and troubled by the thought that one day that he could end up there. Again, this is fearful. This is Threatening. This keeps them up at night. And this is where their struggle goes against. Not to, uh, they are not struggling. James Duncan does not struggle to climb up the social ladder. No, he's scared of descending the social ladder. He, he's scared of falling back. And this fear, this fear to end up, to end up in the hoods again, this is the driving force. This is the driving force, not only for Thomas Duncan, no, it is the driving force for many people who are scared. Huh? Fear, fear, not M. You need to have accomplished something or you need to have been cushioned smoothly in order to be ambitious. You need to have reached some, some social standing in the social ladder. You need to have reach the height in the social ladder where you are not afraid anymore to fall back, where you do not have this social vertigo, this social vertigo where you feel, feel scared even though if you have only climbed a little bit in the social Letter, even though you have not come far, but yet this fear, it still lingers on that you could fall back, this social vertigo. 
and you have to pass this break even point this this mid field of the social ladder where you do not look down anymore where you do not fear that you could fall down and break your neck but look up look forward and i am am ambitious and want to accomplish something and your motivation is not fear anymore and thomas duncan he was a smart man he's a smart man he knew he knew about that this fear that he feels that these worries these daily worries that he could be fired at once that he could at the next financial crisis lose his job this fear that he could end up unemployed and then what happens then this fear what many postal officers feel when they see and read about the growth of Amazon Amazon who who will assumably one day take over the entire delivery of the country the entire postal office these are fears they may not be are true but yet they some sort of uh, stoke fear stoke all oil in to the fear and Thomas Duncan when he heard that his son James was smart he was relieved one or some people would ordinarily feel proud that their son is smart and that he will attend uh, attend a private school because he gets a scholarship some would be proud but James but Thomas was relieved and he thought about the fear he he thought about the factors that probably his son James will be ambitious he will not be driven by fear he will not have to worry day and night he would not have to make calculations or these doomsday scenarios these illusions or what will happen when i get un unemployed what will happen to my family if i could be fired and these thoughts this fear this ailment is present 24/7 with James uh, with Thomas Duncan it it is in his behavior whenever he meets a superior in the postal office he wants to be liked he wants to be recognized not only as as the token black man no thomas is well aware that some white folks only only want to have a blight a black dude around because they want to relieve their conscience 
because they wanna present themselves as not racist, whatever you have. He's sure of it. But Thomas has understood one thing, and this is that you have to be recognized because a token black who only suits who only suits the statistics, who only suits to relieve the conscience of white folks is interchangeable. They could get rid of him. Dispensable. So, James, so Thomas always tries to, to be friends with everyone. He has even adopted uh, behavior. He has even adopted some sort of a appearance where he talks and acts in a way as if he would not be a threat to white men. He talks about his wife, Shania, that he is in love with her and only in love with her. He talks about principle, that a man ought to be Faithful. He talks about, even though it is not true, he keeps reiterating that he does not like white women, that he detests white women, and that he and he keeps reiterating that the most beautiful women in the world are black women, real African women. Well, he believes it too. And he sees that these comments, that they are a relief for his white colleagues, that they are that they are relieved that they don't have to compete with James, with Thomas Duncan. They are relieved that they can live on their lives. But Thomas Duncan does not know that his life is about to change, that all these precautions he took and has brought his life so far, and he has accomplished great, that this would all come, would come crumbling down. Was it his fault? Was all his fault? Was it too cautious because one thing is perceivable is perceivable the more Thomas hang around among white folks the more he 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 wanted to be accepted and the more he didn't want it he didn't want to be perceived as a threat the more he he distanced himself from the hoods and from other black folks he did not have any afro american friends anymore because the only ones he knew were from the hoods and he did not know anyone from the postal office who was at this at the same social footing there were of course some black black 
workers, Afro-American workers in the postal office, but they were, they were, but they had college degrees, a few, a few who worked at the, at the manager, managerial, managerial section. He knew, of course, he perceived that with those college graduates, he did not have much in common. He understood that there was some sort of a distance between them, a distance one feels between the generations, because Thomas Duncan, some sort of appeared as the father, as, as the old God, as the old ones who, who saw the world from a different angle, who did not have the chance, who did not have the chance to, to go to college and get a glimpse into the world from a different angle.